Welcome to Dr. Oklahoma, a podcast that shines a light on uniquely Oklahoman health challenges and situations by chatting with integrous medical professionals who live here, work here, and are willing to lend their time and expertise to all of our listeners. Today, we're joined by Dr. David DeGaston, a family practitioner at Integris Family Care at Dell City. Dr. DeGaston, thank you so much for being with us. It's my pleasure to be here with you. Doctor, do we understand fully, do you think, the importance of vaccines on a global scale and what vaccines have done to eradicate diseases all around the world? I think vaccines are one of the greatest inventions that have been produced in the 20th century as far as healthcare. Sometimes as doctors, we get a little bit full of ourselves thinking that we have a lot of power to fix people and make them better. Statistically, if you look at what has contributed the most to human health care and the advancement of human life, you have to recognize the plumbers who bring clean water to our houses and then take the sewage water away and purify it. And then second to that is the vaccine makers who have almost eradicated most of the most dangerous infectious causes of disease. How would you imagine the world would be if we hadn't discovered these vaccines? Would we be here? Yeah, we'd still be here, but the number of children that would die of communicable diseases in infancy and childhood would be a lot higher number. Wow. Most of us don't know anybody who died of polio, but 100 years ago, everybody knew kids that died from polio. So aside from polio, talk about some of the other remarkable eradications. Well, polio definitely is one of the biggest success stories Some of the other success stories are going to be measles, mumps, and rubella. Here in America, we've pretty much eradicated those diseases, with the exception of like travelers that come in from another country. Which is an interesting point, because as we all know, recently we've had a measles outbreak here in the United States. What are the vaccinations that our kids need here in Oklahoma? Well, the the first vaccine that kids in Oklahoma need is the hepatitis B shot. And we provide that shot to infants on their very first day of life at the hospital because it's so important that we protect them against this virus. Some of the other important vaccines that kids need are the vaccine against whooping cough, also known as pertussis. That's a disease caused by a bacteria. It's very common here in Oklahoma. A lot of adults with a chronic pneumonia or a walking pneumonia, they actually have pertussis and they can transmit that to children very easily. And so we try to get all infants vaccinated against pertussis at two months of age. We also protect them against diphtheria and tetanus as well. And we give them the pneumonia vaccine at two months of age. Seems like a lot of needles for a two-month-old. They've combined a lot of the immunizations into combo vaccines. So one vaccine or one needle stick can still give you five immunizations. It's also important that kids get their vaccines at 12 months, which is when we can start giving them the live virus vaccines, which are measles, mumps, rubella, and then chickenpox. And then the next phase is after that? The children are going to receive multiple booster shots of most of these vaccines. So it's important that they get the full series of vaccines. With one immunization, most children develop some response, but in order to get to a 95% or better immune state in children, they often need two to three to five injections with the vaccine. And how do parents get reminded by their family doctor that those boosters are imminent? So when a child comes in for the well-child check, we check their existing vaccination record against the state database, and we can easily calculate which ones are due for them at that time and provide the parents with a list of when the next vaccines will be due. A lot of kids have waning immunity to several of the vaccines, We recommend a booster shot 
for the tetanus and pertussis vaccine prior to kids entering middle school. And what about when kids have accidents? Do you need to get a tetanus shot when you cut yourself on a rusty nail, as the old story goes? It depends on how big that cut is. If a child is fully immunized against the tetanus vaccine, they got the full course, and it's been less than five years since their last immunization, as long as the wound isn't that bad, then they don't need a booster shot. If the child gets a wound that's contaminated with a lot of dirt and debris, and it's been more than five years since the tetanus vaccine, we do recommend that they go ahead and get a booster shot at that time. Otherwise, you can go 10 years between booster shots for tetanus. What about as kids are moving towards adulthood? Are there vaccines that should be considered? Absolutely. When the teens are getting into their adolescent years, we recommend that they get the meningococcal vaccine and also the human papillomavirus vaccine. The HPV vaccine is one of the newer vaccines. It was developed and became available just 10, 15 years ago. It protects against the most common strains of the human papillomavirus that have been implicated in most causes of cervical cancer. This is a preventable cancer. Cervical cancer is a preventable cancer. It's estimated that about 75% of cervical cancer deaths will be prevented going forward in the future if young women receive the Gardasil vaccine prior to onset of sexual activity. What is your role as a family practitioner in ensuring your patients and their families are protected? As a family medicine practitioner, I think it's important to develop that relationship of trust with the family so that when the time comes for vaccinations, they will trust my recommendations to get the preventative vaccines they need to protect against illness. Let's talk about some other common vaccines that we hear discussed frequently and that many, many of us get each year here in Oklahoma. The flu shot, the pneumonia vaccine and the shingles vaccine. Just how important and effective are they? The annual flu shot has been a remarkable development in helping to reduce the burden of disease from influenza. Every year, the scientists, researchers, they estimate 12 to 9 months in advance what they think the most prevalent strain of influenza will be in the northern hemisphere, and then they start a six-month process of producing the vaccine. Most years, they do a pretty good job, and they, they guess well as to which strains will be prevalent, and the vaccine does a pretty good job. Some years, their guesses aren't as good. The hope is that as one receives annual flu shots year in and year out, they're going to develop an immunity to multiple strains of influenza, providing them with a much better protection. So there is actually a cumulative effect over the years if, with the flu vaccine? Absolutely. Absolutely. As you reinforce your body's immune system to fight off these vaccines, you get better at it. Now, what about the pneumonia vaccine? We've developed several pneumonia vaccines that have been very important in protecting people with respiratory diseases and elderly people. There are two major pneumonia vaccines. One is the Prevnar and the other is the PPSV23. And those are both recommended for people with chronic immune deficiencies, diabetes, asthma, or the elderly population to protect them from pneumonia. And then the shingles vaccine. What about that one? The shingles vaccine is a remarkable development. Hopefully in the future, everyone will be vaccinated against chickenpox in childhood. And so we'll have a much lower burden of chickenpox. But the chickenpox virus, varicella, it remains dormant inside the body. And then during periods of stress, illness, that virus can reactivate and it causes the disease we know as shingles. It generally causes the rash in just one portion of the body. 
the shingles vaccine will help reinforce the body's immune response to that chickenpox virus. There are two forms of the shingles vaccine. The first vaccine has been available for decades, and now they've come out with a new shingles vaccine called Shingrix, and it is a very effective vaccine. Reduces the probability of getting shingles by about 90%. 90%, that's a big number. You've mentioned a number of times a live vaccine as opposed to an inactive or non-live vaccine. What is the difference between those two? And can you actually get sick from a live vaccine? That's a good question. The whole purpose of an immunization is to provoke a response from your body's immune system, to train your body's immune system to respond to that foreign particle the next time it is encountered. In that regard, a dead vaccine contains just pieces of the bacteria, pieces of the virus that cannot replicate, but it produces a strong immune response in the person receiving the vaccine. This can cause a lot of localized pain. It can cause swelling. It can cause fever, just feeling bad. These symptoms generally only last for a day or so and are made better with Tylenol. A live vaccine contains an attenuated or weakened form of an actual live virus that is injected into the body. That sounds kind of scary. I'm getting a virus injected into my body. It is a live virus, but it's a strain of the virus that does not have those features which cause the severe disease. Right. Just like we all get infected with a common cold virus several times a year, but it doesn't cause us to get really, really sick. I see. Same thing with the inactivated or the attenuated viruses. They can grow and cause a very mild infection and the body quickly fights it off, but it also teaches the immune system to fight back against more active and virulent strains of those pathogens in the future. So in essence, it's showing us that it's working on our body. Correct. Excellent. Well, doctor, thank you so much. It's a fascinating world, the world of vaccines. Just to wrap up, what should any of our listeners do as far as getting in touch with you or anybody else at Integris as far as getting their vaccines up to date? I would recommend to all parents and all individuals to talk with their doctor and have a conversation about what vaccines are recommended for them based on their specific health conditions. If they would like more information about the safety or reliability of the vaccines, they can start that conversation and there are lots of resources available to study and learn more. Excellent. Well, Dr. David DeGaston, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, join us next time where we'll be busy getting a doctor's advice on how to stay healthy so we can continue living and loving life in our great state right here on Dr. Oklahoma. Dr. Oklahoma.